In the Pocket, a talk show that showcases Mainers, who are people of color. Each episode represents a member of the Maine community from art, culture, and business, the earth, wind, and fire of life. Embracing and exploring the Black diaspora and descendants of American slavery through conversation is the foundational concept of In the Pocket. The overall mission of In the Pocket is to create conversational space for all people of color that is documented and celebrated through sharing of life experiences. If you like what you're hearing and want to hear it again or want to check out our archive of past shows, look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm or search In the Pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In The Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show. Thank you listeners for tuning in to In The Pocket. I'm your host, Flo Edwards, and our special guest today is Rumi Mafuka. Uh, she is a consultant. She has a business called I Am Willing for estate planning, uh, lack of a better term. Um, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Rumbi Mufuka. Rumbi Zai Mufuka is my full name. My family's from Zimbabwe. My name means praise God. I was an unexpected blessing. Um, I grew up in South Carolina, lived in Atlanta, Miami, DC, and am now living in Portland, Maine. Awesome. What brought you to Maine? So like a lot of people I've spoken to, a spouse <laughs> brought me to Maine. Um, so my my spouse and I were living apart together uh, for about five years. I was in D.C. He was here in Maine to be close to his kids who were in Yarmouth. And he was traveling a lot for work. I was traveling, so we were making it work, uh, enjoying the distance, or at least I was. And I got an opportunity last fall to work remotely uh, for a large uh, tech firm that's in the news a lot. And so that uh, gave me an opportunity to move up here. And you know, during the pandemic, we had a lot of conversations about what we wanted to do, not do, continue to do, right? The living apart together was not working as well because we weren't traveling. So this was an opportunity to rethink that. So I moved up here. Great. I'm a little curious about like long distance relationships. Yeah. Um, we I, could have a whole show right. on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan. Oh. That's that's the bottom line. I'm a fan. But now that you're not long distance, yeah. are you a fan of that? Uh, it's been an adjustment for sure. And you know, we I think we as humans tend to do all the things at once. So new job, new city, new relationship dynamic, uh, new weather patterns or new you know new climate at least for me so uh ask me in six months it's only it's only been six months uh we're we're adjusting making it work it's a lot of together time you know to go from I had a house in DC now we're in an apartment Uh, I brought my two cats Mercedes and Benz and so we we're all making it work but it's it's definitely an adjustment Right on. Is it like cherry blossom season about to be in D.C.? That passed. passed. And it was really short and early. That's climate change for you. It, it happens uh, like in March now. Yeah, end of March, April. I learned recently, basically when I left D.C., I learned that the cherry blossoms came from Japan. Yeah, that's right. They were a gift, I yeah. think, from the country of Japan. Yeah. Just an interesting tidbit. <laughs> 
There are some cherry blossoms up here, I think, I've seen, or similar looking. Okay. Well, yeah. What part of town? Maybe downtown. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to keep an eye out. I feel mm -hmm. like I don't know where these cherry blossoms are. Yeah, well, they're yeah. gone now. Oh, they're, yeah. you know, they're an ephemeral tree. Right. So your business, I am willing. What was the inspiration? Well, what is the business, and yeah. then what was your inspiration for that? Yeah. So I am willing is a legacy is a is a platform to help the black community with legacy planning. And what I mean by legacy planning is that we focus on education, encouragement, and empowerment to help the black community take the steps they need to create a legacy plan. And the impetus of this was. Uh, a little over two years ago now, uh, my sister's in-laws, now I call them my, my pap-pap and my sister-aunt because my sister's been married since I was five. So I've known this family right for, for a long time. So early in the day, uh, my sister, my sister-aunt passed away. And then later that evening, her father passed away. And if any of you are from the South, maybe in the Midwest too, we would say that he died of a broken heart. You know when family members pass away um, kind of successively, it's it's really hard on everyone. So this was also a week before Christmas, so to compound it even further. So I'm the researcher in the family. I have a PhD in political science, so whenever there's uh, something that people need to know and need to know quickly, they tend to call me. And my sister was calling me, you know, over the next couple of weeks, can you look this up? Can you look this up? How are we going to, you know, find out if Pap Pap had an insurance plan, or how do we know if, you know, she had a bank account? Like, you know, there was no legacy plan, there was no will, there was nothing, you know, very little was written down. So they were really scrambling to even find out who the lender for the mortgage was for the house, you know. So six months, nine months pass, and I'm like, gosh, there has to be a better way, you know. I know they didn't have a will, but could they have written things down for us, you know? Could we have had conversations to discuss, like, where do you bank at, Pat Pat? Like, <laughs> we might need to know that at some point. Um, and that was what eventually became I Am Willing. So it's really asking us, us in the community, the black and brown community, the question, what are you willing to do to preserve your wealth and to pass on your wealth to the next generation. And I know a lot of you would say, well, anything, of course, right? I want my kids to have what I've earned, right? Or I want to preserve what my grandparents, you know, have left behind. But the truth is 70% of us don't have a will nationwide. I think the reason for that, we can get into it, it's, it's complicated and it's complex. It's not just a matter of filling out a piece of paper, which is what I found. Um, it's really a matter of speaking to people and meeting them where they are. Everyone is in a different place um, in terms of their own relationship with death and fear of mortality and the way they think about it. But there's something, there's small things that every one of us can do to start the legacy planning journey. And so that's what I'm Willing seeks to do, hold your hand every step of the way so that when we leave this earth, we have left something behind. For, for those who, who remain. I am actually was uh, stuck on that there wasn't any paperwork, any kind of mail that came in. Well, <laughs> well that's what you have to check for, but imagine you're sitting by the mailbox every day checking the mail, right? Trying to figure out, and then you're trying to figure out, is this a scam? Because 
scammers come for you. Imagine this, I, an in-law, a distant in-law at that, was getting phone calls from creditors looking for them. Wow. Right, so, and again, I don't know if it's legitimate. I don't know if it's not. Obviously, I didn't tell them anything. I had nothing to tell them anyway. Um, but, you know, there are people who will take advantage of a situation like this. Um, and then there are also some companies that were really um, thoughtful. You know, the, the lawn guy was like, oh, don't worry about the bill, you know. Which was, which was great, right? Um, but it's obviously a lot more complicated than that. And there are a lot of things that will come up unexpectedly, expenses that will come up unexpectedly, that are just more difficult to handle because you don't know what the person wanted. And I think that was the hardest thing to see my sister you know, and brother-in-law go through is that they were having to make day-to-day -day decisions not knowing what they wanted. You know, did they want the mag, the jet, ebony, and essence magazines to be preserved? Did they think they were worth something? You know, did they um, want their clothes and shoes to go to their best friends? Maybe. Um, we knew that Papap wanted to be buried. He already had a plot, right, which was great, next to his wife. But we didn't know what she wanted, what Nichelle wanted. Um, you know, we had to make a guess, and all those guesses compound, and they make the situation really, I think, uncomfortable and sad, you know, for the people who are left behind. So if someone gets in contact with I Am Willing, mm -hmm. what's the, the steps? Like, what's the first okay. step? Yeah, so, you know, we're a startup, so we're building this out, but the first step is to go to this website, so IamWilling.us. Uh, scroll through the About Us, get to know me and my sister, she's a co-founder, get to know more about our story, why we started this. We also have a lot of facts about legacy planning, legacy preparation. We also try to debunk some myths, right? So, you know, one myth is, you know, oh, I don't have enough, right? I don't have enough, it's not worth the process. The truth is, you are enough, right? Whatever you have to leave behind, whether it's money, clothes, shoes, assets, right? Your family wants to know what you want to do with that stuff. So I try to debunk, you know, that myth. Um, there's other myths about, oh, you know, my family will take care of it, or they know what I want, or the state will take care of it. I mean, when have we ever said that the state will do a good job at, at what we want, right? So, I've never said that. Right, so I don't know why we think the state is gonna do what we want in this case. That's, that's not the case at all. So there's a page about, you know, debunking those myths, helping people understand why this process is important. And then the thing I would encourage everyone to do is to download this freebie, which takes you through the first three steps of the I and willing process. So it's starting the conversation, it's broadening your definition of wealth beyond money, property, assets, and it's naming your beneficiaries. And a fourth bonus, if you have children, it's thinking about how you assign guardianship. So I like how you mentioned uh, thinking about wealth beyond basically assets. What in the world could that even be? Oh, I love it. This is one of my favorite, this is one of my favorite aspects of this or parts of this. So, you know, we traditionally think about wealth as money, car, cars maybe, property, and we're like, well, if I don't have any of those things, right, I don't have anything to pass on. The black and brown community, I'm biased here. We have a lot more than that. I would say maybe more than average. So what comes to my mind, for example, is my sister-in-law was one of the best cooks and she got it from her mother. She was in charge of potato salad every holiday. 
and sweet potato pie and whatever else, right, we could get her to cook. To my knowledge, she didn't write down those recipes because she got them from standing next to her mother in the kitchen and her mother's passed away as well. So we've lost that. To me, that's wealth. You know, wealth is more than what you own. Wealth is who you are and what you know. And what you know is probably immense. I mean, it's not just recipes, maybe it's family stories. Um, maybe you know, you know how your parents met and your kids don't know that story, right? Um, maybe you um, have a collection of uh, Jordans that uh, your best friend would love to have. Write that down. So that's part of step two in the process. As you broaden that definition of wealth, you think of all of those things that are beyond money and assets that you value, that represent who you are and what you know. You write them down, you make a list, and then you start thinking about who would value that gift. You know, does your best friend want those Jordans? You know, are there recipes that you want to pass on to your kids or your grandkids, you know, that you want to be preserved? Are there family stories that you can record on your phone and send to the WhatsApp group and say, hey, y'all, don't lose this story. It's really important to our family and who we are. So as you get going and as you talk to your friends and your family about it, it's just going to come pouring out of you. You're going to be like, oh, my gosh, I have so much to share and so much to give that have nothing to do with, with money and assets. I mean, money and assets are important, don't get me wrong, there's a whole step for that as well. But I think in our communities especially, it goes way beyond that and we really take that for granted. And then it gets lost. Yeah, I feel like um, black communities definitely have an oral tradition. Absolutely. So, and I don't know if, um, like there's so many stories that I wish I had asked before my dad died yep. and mm -hmm. I didn't, but he wasn't really like forthcoming either, yeah. you know? Yeah. You have to be doing, you have to go hunting with him to hear a story. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Unlike my dad who would tell you every story you didn't ask for. Well, that's why step one is start the conversation, right? And I know it's hard. And so I'm working on conversation starters, prompts. There's some companies out there that I'd like to partner with as well. One is called The Conversation Project. There's another one called The Death Deck. And they're coming up with really creative ways, kind of gamifying the process, right, to allow people to have those conversations, you know, over time. And again, this is a process, it's a journey, it's not a one-time thing. It's always better to start sooner rather than later. Um, but I recognize, you know, you're not gonna get it all at once. So starting the conversation, that's why it's number one. You have to start somewhere and then, you know, build on the journey from there. So the death deck, that doesn't sound like a good name. Yeah, I can't vouch for it. I follow them on Instagram. By the way, follow me on Instagram um, at IamWilling underscore US. Um, but I follow these interesting, creative, kind of out-of-the-box ways to have these conversations and to do this work. You know, one, one thing that inspired I'm Willing kind of when I was doing the market analysis was that from my lens, a lot of companies were focusing on the process. So how do we make the will easier to fill out, right? How do we make the paperwork simpler? You know, what kinds of questions can, you know, can we gamify it or can we do a quiz, you know, so that it pre-populates your forms? And I was like, well, yeah, that's nice. But still, if 70% of all Americans and 65% of black Americans don't have a will, and you can download a will for free, I don't think that making the paperwork nicer, right, is really solving the problem. It's not getting to the root, you know, issue. Um, if you're going to LegalZoom and downloading a will, you're someone with 
with clear intentions, right? You know already what it is that you're trying to do. Um, and a lot of us just aren't there yet. And so I'm trying to, to really get to the root of, you know, why people aren't there and then how we can help them get there. You know, ultimately I want everyone to write a will. That's maybe even a trust. That's where kind of we should all be. But I recognize that not everyone is ready. And so even if you're not ready, there are still some things you can do today, you know, to make it easier for your family um, when you pass away. So in the, that step process, how mm -hmm. long did it take you to really narrow that down? Oh, wow. Um, probably a couple of months. Um, I'm still testing it with people, you know. Um, I changed the order of the steps a couple times. There were probably more steps in earlier versions. I was getting into power of attorney and health proxy, and then all of that became, I think, a little intimidating for people. So I thought, okay, well, what are the things you can do without a lawyer? Right, because I'm not an attorney, and you have to be very careful in walking that line, you know, not giving legal, legal advice, right, if you're not an attorney. So I thought, okay, what are the things that people can do in the comfort of their own home, with their partners, with their spouses, right, with their family, doesn't require an attorney. You may want to consult an attorney at some point, um, but these are things you can do on your own. So starting the conversation, obviously you can do that on your own. Um, broadening your definition of wealth, making that list of your assets and thinking who wa would want to receive those gifts, and then naming your beneficiaries. This is something that a lot of us don't do, but all of our bank accounts, your checking, your savings, your 401k, your pension, if you're old enough to have one of those, um, has a section in it, usually online, to name your beneficiaries. And these are the people who will receive whatever is in your accounts right away. So that means they won't have to go to court, they won't have to get an attorney, they won't have to go to probate. And I tell you, this can be really game-changing for people um, when you pass away, or even if you're you know, injured and you can't speak for yourself because your partner will have access to that bank account. Now, people are like, well, do I have to tell people they're my beneficiary? Right? I don't want them to be budgeting on my death. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you don't have to tell them. You can change your mind at any time. Maybe you don't want them to be the beneficiary later on. It's, it's totally flexible. You can change your mind. But it's important to name those beneficiaries because if you don't, your assets are often frozen when you die, right? And then you have to, your family has to go through court and probate. And imagine, your partner could be paying bills, you know, with those accounts. But they may not have access to them right away. That made me think, so I had this uh, 401k mm -hmm. kind of plan, and um, it was the first time I'd ever seen where if I wasn't leaving it to my spouse, yeah. that I had to like inform my spouse, yeah. and they had to sign before I could leave <laughs> right. it to somebody else. I was like, whoa! Yeah, no, that, <laughs> yeah, I remember I went through the same thing, I think, with the 401k when I was working for the government, and I thought that was really weird. Um, I'm sure that's a holdover from men leaving their 401ks to people other than their wives. Right. <laughs> so maybe it's a good thing. I don't know, but it's still a little weird. Um, I think that it's great that you're sharing this information. Um, and I'm glad that you have a business that is going to also kind of handhold mm -hmm. people. Like, mm -hmm. walk them through that. Um, are there any particular other tips that you mm -hmm. can share that aren't like taking away from your business? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'd say if you have kids, it's never too soon to start talking to them about 
Um, you know, if something happens to us kids, you would go to Aunt Sally, you know, you'd go to Uncle So-and-so. Because, you know, there's a lot of confusion. Um, when my sister-in-law died, she had a 14-year-old, and we knew where he was going, his father. You know, he went to his father's, and so it was pretty straightforward. Um, but if it's not that clear-cut, you know, m Grandma might think she's getting the kids, um, but the state might step in, you know, and say, no, the kids should go to the sister or whatever. So um, that's kind of the, the fourth piece of it. I don't have kids. I have lots of nieces and nephews, um, so I think about this. Um, a lot, but I would say having that conversation with your partner um, about your kids is is another is another important step. Um, I think there are also a lot of great sites out there that are trying to make this process easier. I don't think anyone is focused on the black and brown community like I am, because I think we have our own myths, our own superstitions, our own hang-ups, and we also have systemic racism to deal with, right? There's a reason why we are leery of lawyers. There's a reason why we are leery of financial institutions protecting our wealth, right? They have not done a good job of that <laughs> historically, right? But this is a way for us to protect our wealth, uh, take control of our wealth, and make sure that it is passed on to the next generation, right? If you do nothing, your wealth is going to be distributed in ways that you don't want. Um, it's going to get lost in paying attorney's fees. Your siblings or your family will fight over it, right? It'll cause conflict. Um, people will actually get further and further apart, you know, in the aftermath of this. And look, I know it's not easy. A lot of celebrities we hear every year, right, haven't done this. Aretha Franklin, Prince, Jimi Hendrix, if <laughs> you want to go back. They, they didn't write a will. Aretha Franklin, I think, tried five times, you know, and couldn't get it done. So it's not easy, but again, I think we can all start somewhere. We can all start from where we are. And starting the journey, doing some of these small things, is 100% better than doing nothing at all. So true. Um, I also notice, like, I, I have beneficiaries, mm -hmm. but I also share with my partner, like, they can just get in my phone, because a lot yeah. of people do their banking on their phone. Oh, that's huge. So I'm just like, well, and I can get on their phone. Or yeah. Phone, so. Yeah, passwords. Yes. You asked about, yeah, like, other things. So one password or a password manager is another great way to share access with your partner or a family member. Um, that's what my husband and I do, um, so that, yeah, if something were to happen, he has access to, like, the most important passwords. Um, that I use. There's another um, company I've been following for a while called Clocker, C-L-O-C-R, and they're focused on digital asset transfer. So they're really focused on the online accounts, you know, your Facebook, your Instagram, like what happens to those. If you have crypto, you know, what happens to those? No, lots of we could get into crypto. My husband runs a crypto meetup. <laughs> That's separate. But um, there, there are a couple of good platforms, you know, trying to, again, trying to facilitate um, that transfer. Yeah. Right on. Um, so I know you said that you also have a consulting business mm -hmm. and you're going to start getting that up and running. I've always wanted to know what, what do consultants actually do? <laughs> That's a great question. I think a lot of clients would say nothing. <laughs> uh, they charge us and then do nothing. Um, so I've, I've kind of been in the consulting space from beginning to end. So I started off 
in the government, not really as a consultant. I was a research analyst at the CIA, uh, focused on <clears throat> Southern Africa. But that allowed me to kind of shift the research background into a strategic communications role where I was like writing internal documents and newsletters. Um, but I've also been part of larger consulting projects that say diagnose a problem. So one issue that I worked on was um, uh, black employees at a particular agency were systematically being promoted at rates lower than other groups, right? So there was this whole report that was done and, you know, my team was brought in to try to create basically action items and action plan, right, for the report. So that was like beginning to end, like the problem had been diagnosed, we were in there to create it, you know, an action plan and implement it and hopefully see results, right, over time you know, to the problem that had been diagnosed. So where I like to fit in kind of the consulting um, roadmap, I like the problem diagnosis. You, your listeners may have realized I really like the people side of problems. Um, you know, if someone wants to achieve this goal, why aren't they achieving the goal? Um, you know, what can we do to, to help them do that? So I really like the problem diagnosis. I spend a lot of time getting to know the client, understanding their pain points, understanding the people involved, understanding the relationships between the people involved, and then once you, you know you diagnose the, the problem or the root cause of the problem, then you get into the creating the solution and the strategy and the plan. And then I like to leave my client in a place where they feel not only empowered to execute on the plan, but they feel like they have the capacity. So I try to design the plan in a way that's really tailored to their skills, to their knowledge, to their staffing, and to their capacity, so they can execute it without me. I learned over time that I don't really care for the implementation part of the plan. There's you know, other consultants that do that kind of work. So that's kind of where I leave my clients like, hey, you know the problem, we figured out ways to solve the problem, here's how you can solve the problem, you have the capacity to do it, here you go, good luck. <laughs> That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, are there any hobbies that you like in Maine? Oh, so far? Well, I mean, I came in November, which I call Darkest Winter. Yep. Um, <laughs> I have my own name for Maine seasons now. Um, so, we were supposed to go skiing, but I understand it was a mild winter, so the snow kind of dried up. So, I haven't done that yet, but that sounds like it would be fun. There's a lot of hobbies on the horizon, I guess, that I haven't done yet. We're going to get e-bikes, and so I'm looking forward to, like, trail biking and stuff. Um, I've been taking swimming lessons because I want to be a recreational swimmer. Um, I like to read a lot. Um, no, I'm still looking for new hobbies, I guess. Maybe that's the answer. I don't know yet. There you go. Well, um, we're at a brewery, so hopefully that'll be one of your <laughs> yeah, hobbies. Yeah, yeah. That's a given. <laughs> That's a given. Um, well, thank you, Ruby, so much. I really enjoyed learning a lot about what you do and what you're offering the community at large. It's fascinating, and I think you mentioned that, like, we have $1.7 trillion in spending power. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully we can direct that to keeping that wealth in our community. Exactly. Yeah. So what's the plug? How can listeners follow you or reach you? 
So the best way to reach me is on LinkedIn. Uh, Rumbi Mufuka, R-U-M-B-I, M-U-F-U-K-A, Ph.D. Should pull me up. Also, you can go to my website, IamWilling.us. You can follow me on Instagram, IamWilling underscore US, and at Twitter uh, with the same handle. And you can send me an email at hello at IamWilling.us. If you like what you've heard and want to hear it again or want to check out our archive of past shows, look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm or search In The Pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In The Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show. Also, Wabanaki Reach supports the self-determination of Wabanaki people through education, truth-telling, restorative justice, and restorative practices in Wabanaki and Maine communities. For information about understanding colonization, the Truth Commission, and more, go online to mainewabanakireach.org.